In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Indeed, the word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. Yes, the word of God is living and effective today in my life and in yours. And that's the very reason why I'm offering this weekly podcast where I reflect upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. So now please join me on Faith Moments with Dina Marie as we break open the Word of God together, inviting His Word to change our lives forever. Welcome to Faith Moments with Dina Marie, a weekly podcast to ponder and to proclaim the Sunday Mass readings. And here we are in the third Sunday of Advent. It's called Gaudete Sunday or Rejoice Sunday. And I hope you saw somewhere in the church over the weekend, of course, the lighting of the rose-colored candle, and maybe the vestments would be worn would be rose, or some of the other coloring would have that beautiful color that reflects joy rejoice, rejoice. And so we have that in in Advent. We also have that on the fourth Sunday of the Lenten season, Laetare Sunday. So it's only two times in the year we get the opportunity to see that beautiful color of rose come out, but it's just a great reminder of why we should be a people who rejoice. So I have been reading in this little booklet, it's called Christmas Prayers and Customs, and I have information about this booklet in the YouTube podcast. And I just wanted to share with you the third week of Advent, the prayer and the scripture. Now, every cycle in each season will have a little bit different readings, but this week, again, we hear from John the Baptist. And so we'll hear from the gospel of Luke today, but this takes us to Luke chapter three. It's a little bit different account than what we'll hear in today's reading but it is an opportunity to hear his cry to let the people know the Messiah is near. Let us begin Luke chapter three, verse 10. John's disciples said to Jesus, are you he who is to come or do we look for another? In reply, Jesus said, tell John what you hear and see. The blind recover their sight, the cripples walk, Lepers are cured, and the poor have good news preached to them. Let us pray. O Jesus, I rejoice at the signs that say you are near. Your power is everywhere if I could see it. Yet my eyes often see only darkness and what has yet to be done. I believe in you, yet when I look around, evil seems so strong and goodness so weak. If you have come, why is there still so much suffering? And why do the poor still despair? Where are your miracles today? Your grace, O Lord, is more fruitful in my world than I imagine. I know your power is everywhere around me. If only I could see it. Show me today where the blind see and the cripples walk. Make my vision sharper than it is. Amen. What a powerful prayer. And I think so many people do have this cry. If you have come, why is there still so much suffering? And why do the poor still despair? Where are your miracles today? And I hope that what we'll hear in the readings, both from the Old and the New Testament, that 
there is always hope and that the Lord is near. In fact, the Lord is here today. And so we have to look beyond the suffering to see the presence of God in this place. The third Sunday of Lent this year, excuse me, of Advent this year falls on the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And so for those of you who have a special devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe, happy feast day. It's a beautiful day to celebrate. And I love to see, I've seen so many pictures posted on various Facebook posts of gatherings this weekend uh, with all of the music and the celebration of Our Lady of Guadalupe. So Certainly, it's a beautiful day to tie in with this theme of rejoicing. Three different words that, as you hear the readings proclaimed today, that really came out to me are, I am near, rejoice, and act with justice. So let's begin with our first reading. This comes from the prophet Zephaniah. It's one of the last books in the Old Testament. And Zephaniah is a pretty short book. And as you read the first two chapters of that book, it's pretty discouraging. Uh, But this is the very end of the whole book. And there is a hopefulness. So listen to the, the cry of Zephaniah. This is a chapter three, verses 14 through 18a. Shout for joy, O daughter Zion. Sing joyfully, O Israel. Be glad and exalt with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has removed the judgment against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You have no further misfortune to fear. On that day, it should be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Be not discouraged. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty Savior. He will rejoice over you with gladness and renew you in his love. He will sing joyfully because of you as one sings at festivals. The word of the Lord. Our responsorial psalm today actually comes from the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 12, verses 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. Cry out with joy and gladness, for among you is the great and holy one of Israel. God indeed is my savior. I am confident and unafraid. My strength and my courage is the Lord, and he has been my savior. With joy, you will draw water at the fountain of salvation. Cry out with joy and gladness, for among you is the great and holy one of Israel. Give thanks to the Lord, acclaim his name. Among the nations, make known his deeds. Proclaim how exalted is his name. Cry out with joy and gladness, for among you is the great and holy one of Israel. Sing praise to the Lord for his glorious achievement. Let this be known throughout all the earth. Shout with exaltation, O city of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Cry out with joy and gladness, for among you is the great and Holy One of Israel. The second reading comes from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians, chapter 4 verses four through seven. Brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, 
Rejoice. Your kindness should be known to all. The Lord is near. Have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. The gospel comes from Luke chapter 3, verses 10 through 18. The crowds asked John the Baptist, what should we do? He said to them in reply, whoever has two cloaks should share with the person who has none. And whoever has food should do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized and they said to him, teacher, what should we do? He answered them, stop collecting more than what is prescribed. Soldiers also asked him, and what is it that we should do? He told them, do not practice extortion, do not falsely accuse anyone, and be satisfied with your wages. Now the people were filled with expectation, and all were asking in their hearts whether John might be the Christ. John answered them all, saying, I am baptizing you with water, but one mightier than I is coming. I am not worthy to loosen the thongs on his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Exhorting them in many other ways, he preached good news to the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of imagery comes through in today's readings. And again, I want to go back to the prophet Zephaniah. Certainly in the season of Advent, we hear from the prophets. And it's really great to listen to the readings during the week. And then we get this emphasis on the Sunday readings from the particular Advent prophets. And we hear a lot from the prophet Isaiah. We hear some from Jeremiah and this week from Zephaniah. And I was reminded in the time period that Zephaniah is speaking, most of the people have turned away from God. They've turned away from only serving God. They've served other types of idols and the sun and the moon, and, and they've really forgotten the 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 one true God. And there's one small remnant of people who have stayed true to the faith in the midst of much division and confusion in the bulk of the people. And so this is just the last bit of Zephaniah, I think, as I mentioned in the opening, and he closes with a lot of hope. Now, if you want to hear some discouragement or some difficulty in you know, the state of the people and their hearts turning away from God, read chapter one and chapter two. But at the end of this part, there is this hopefulness that he's really crying out to those who are staying true to the Lord and are waiting for his coming and are faithful to the Lord. And I hope that that's all of us, that we hear this cry as a people that no matter what's happening in our culture, 
no matter what's happening in our politics or even in our church, in our world, in things that people vote on and things that people say is okay to do, that we stay true to what is true and what is holy and what is good and what is beauty in God alone. And the whole rest of the world may not be in agreement with us, but Zephaniah is giving us that small remnant, the encouragement to continue on, you know, and to continue to stay strong with your heart to the Lord. And so he, he goes to say that the King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst you have no further misfortune to fear. And the people have been in a lot of difficulty is the reality. But he reminds the people that the Lord is near. Uh, The Lord, your God is in your midst, a mighty savior. And here's this looking forward to what we will be celebrating at Christmas, the coming of Christ, the Christ child, the Messiah and the nativity, you know, and he will rejoice over you with gladness and renew you in his love. And so there's this promise will come true. The, the, the mighty savior is in your midst. So don't lose hope continue on, continue on doing the good things, the great things, the holy things for God. And remember that the Lord is in your midst. I think that is such a a profound message for us in this world today that we may be swayed to be discouraged or to give up hope and to know that the Lord is in our midst. It's emphasized in the responsorial psalm, which happens to come from Isaiah, the prophet, where even in the words of what we refrain, uh, for among you is the great and holy one, or he is among us, that there's this emphasis from Isaiah here that the Lord is in our midst. The Lord is present and he's not some far off God, but he is here at all times. Shout with exaltation. If this is true, if the Lord is is near, then we should respond in a particular way. And John the Baptist is going to give us a great explanation of how we are to respond. But I think in, in this particular scripture from Isaiah, shout with joy, o, o city of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. We have to remember that the Holy One of Israel is with us. And that should cause us to be a people of rejoicing and of hope. Again, St. Paul writing to the Philippians. And as we've been hearing from St. Paul in the past, he's in prison. So there's something about, (laughs) there's so many great things about St. Paul, but in the midst of something that he couldn't control, he couldn't control being in prison, uh, the way he was treated harshly but he can control how he responds to that difficult situation. And I think one of the things I pick up from St. Paul and in this tone of such hopefulness, when you could choose to be bitter, you could, you uh, could be prone to be blaming others or why is this happening to me? Or don't they know who I am? But, but St. Paul is always reminding the people. And in here, this is just the big accent, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. Not when things are going great, not when all the bills are paid, not when the kids are behaving, not when your relationship is fantastic, but rejoice in the Lord always. 
I again, I say it, rejoice. And this is a really a beautiful sentence if we look at it. Your kindness should be known to all. And he, and it goes on to explain why that should be the case, because the Lord is near. And just as we were talking about in Zephaniah and in this Isaiah account, the Lord is near. That requires us a way of responding to that truth, to that hope, to that knowledge, the wisdom, the Lord is near. I act in a certain way. I am in a certain way. I do in a certain way with hope, with joy, with justice, Uh, your kindness, how we are with one another should be known, should be known in the marketplace, should be known in the school, should be known in the world should be known in your home. The kindness, your kindness should be known by all. People should know you by the way that you act, by by who you are and how you are. Have no anxiety in at all, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests known to the Lord. So it's not like we shouldn't be thinking about those things that maybe uh, we really want to bring to the Lord. It might be a health situation. It might be a relationship. It might be something at work. It might be discerning a decision to be made. It might be, of course, the state of our country, the state of our world, and being concerned. Make those petitions known to the Lord, but how? With thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for giving me life. Thank you, Lord for giving my loved ones life. Thank you for the creation. And in thanksgiving, bring those petitions to the Lord. And then that peace will come upon you and will guard your hearts and minds so that you stay in Christ Jesus, that you stay in that kindness and that mode of hopefulness and joy. Again, just encouragement that we all need to hear. I think during this time of the year, it's coming to the close of the season. For those that might be in school or in college or are seminarians out there, there's a lot of potential anxiety or worry about getting the papers in and, or doing all of the projects that need to get done. Or for those of you hosting some type of Christmas activities, you know, am I doing all that I need to do? And here we go into the gospel to help address the doing. So we've, we've started these readings with this emphasis of, I am near, the Lord is near, the Lord is among us. There's this recognition and this cry to recognize and to be aware that the Lord is near. This should affect who I am and how I am. And now here are the crowds hearing from John the Baptist and John the Baptist is teaching and different kinds of people come up to him. And it's interesting that this account, they're all asking basically the same question. What should I do? What should I do? This is coming from the people. This is coming from the tax collectors. This is coming from the soldiers they're wondering, well, what do I do? What do I do with this message that you're giving me? And I think we are such a people of doing. We have lists of things to do. We have, we, we kind of uh, have a, 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 a saying, you know, the honeydew list that we may think about that our husbands or the wives are working on different lists of things get, to get done in the household. 
So we're just so busy about busying ourselves about all these things that need to get done. And certainly things need to get done. Things need to get fixed, et cetera. But should we be so focused on the doing and how well I do this or how much I do this, or I'm going to do it better than you, that we forget about the service. We forget about the love. We forget about the way in which we do certain things and maybe what it is that we do not need to do. But here's something that came to me in each of these different groups of people that are or portrayed in the gospel. So it talks about the tax collectors. And we get a sense from all the different readings in the New Testament that tax collectors are not liked among the Jews. They usually are extorting and they're taking more money away from the people. So the people really don't like tax collectors. They're called sinners. They're they're outsiders. And so really the Jewish people didn't like the tax collectors and many of them were Jewish people, but they had this job to do. And many times they were very corrupt in how they did their job. But interestingly, that John the Baptist doesn't say, stop being a tax collector. He doesn't say, stop doing your job, that particular job that the culture at that time deemed to be a despicable job. But he just said, what should we do? Stop collecting more than what is prescribed. Stop cheating. Not stop doing what you're doing. Now, today we have tax collectors, and we hope that they're doing that legally and faithfully, but it's a job that needs to be done. Things need to be paid for that take care of all the people, but they don't need to be done corruptly or in a way that your pride and you take advantage of other people in order to do your job. And so, John the Baptist is at least telling the tax collectors here on one level do what you're supposed to do, but don't do it in a way that would offend or um, hinder anyone else. The same thing with soldiers. And I can't even imagine if you, if you watch the movie, the passion of the Christ, you know, the way that the soldiers acted against Jesus and the way they really treated him. And you could just get this sense that being a soldier would give you license to really take advantage of other people in many different not so nice ways. And so, you know, John is saying, don't practice extortion, don't falsely accuse and be satisfied with your wages. Don't complain about things. And I think there's just a real simple message in this simple message to John the Baptist, to the people. He's not telling you to change who you are but he is telling you to change how you are. See, God created you with gifts and talents and affinities to do this or to do that. Maybe you're a good listener. Maybe you're a good speaker. You're a good writer. You're good with math. You're good at at artistic things, whatever that God has given you these natural abilities to do them, but do them to the glory of God, not to extort over other people, Um, for your own self-enlightenment and fulfillment, but that whatever you do in tax collecting and being a soldier, that you do it for the glory of God. Now, 
he goes on and I looked up a couple of words just to get a sense because we hear these words a couple of times in describing the kingdom of God. And John the Baptist goes on and he starts to give the people an idea of who's coming out. uh, The Messiah is coming, right? He's not the Messiah. I'm just preparing the way. But he says this, his winnowing fan is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn away with, he will burn with unquenchable fire. I really looked into that scripture and I'm thinking, here's John the Baptist saying, Hey, there is, it's important for us to change our ways to have that justice and holiness, because guess what's going to happen? And I looked up the word uh, threshing, to sift, to separate, to analyze. And then this uh, this winnowing fan, actually that's winnowing. Winnowing is to sift, to separate, to analyze. It was in uh, my, my dictionary. His winnowing fan, I'm going to sift through the people. I'm going to sift through the hearts. I'm going to separate them. I'm going to analyze which ones reflect me, love, peace, hope, truth, goodness. I'm going to analyze that. And then it says that you disperse by blowing um, to beat out grain from the hull or a husk is a th- as a thresh, the threshing floor, and to blow chaff and refuse from grain by a current of air. So there's this sense that I get of this winnowing fan and this threshing floor that through God's Holy Spirit, this air is going to blow through and it's going to recognize those that follow his ways, that reflect the holiness and the goodness and the rightfulness, the righteousness of the people. And those that choose to continue to practice extortion, to falsely accuse, to be dissatisfied with their wages, et cetera, et cetera, those are not going to make the grade. And so there's a reason why we do need to change our hearts to the Lord. But the chaff, see those pieces that are um, being blown by the air that don't follow with the Lord's way, they will burn with unquenchable fire. I don't want to be in that unquenchable fire. I don't know if you do. I hope you don't. So we really do need to change our ways. We really do need, we can't change the things that happen to us but we can always change the ways and how we respond. How do I react to that person? How do I react to that situation? How do I respond? Do I respond with justice? Do I respond with listening, with patience, with peacefulness, even if the other person is absolutely positively wrong, right? Am I responding with God's justice? And there is the cry from St. John the Baptist today to really change our ways. His winnowing fan is in his hand to clear his threshing floor. He is clearing through. He's purifying. Right now, there's such this sense of division 
in our world in so many different layers from the home all the way to countries and the globe. And yet we have to be a people of unity. We have to be a people of hope, of rejoicing at all times, and to know that the Lord is near and that our kindness should be known to all. Have no anxiety at all, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. That should be on our lips as we go through this week, this rejoicing week of the third Sunday in Advent. And I pray that you continue to take that spirit of Zephaniah, that spirit of St. Paul, that spirit of St. John the Baptist, who is letting us know that we need to be right with the Lord. We need to listen to the Lord and be willing to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a beautiful third week of Advent, and I'll look forward to talking with you next week. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. God bless you all, and have a blessed Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. You have been listening to Faith Moments with Dina Marie, reflections upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. New podcast episodes are released weekly through the generous support of Mater Dei Radio. To learn more about Faith Moments with Dina Marie, visit me online at dinamarie.org. That's dinamarie.org. May you have a blessed week.